We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Your boy Jack Manuel here, and I'm joined by a very, very, very special guest to do- deep dive onto the stats when it comes to the Nets, and I would not have any other person other than Mr. Matt Brooks of Nets Daily. Matthew, how are we, my friend? I'm good, I'm good. Good to be back. Uh, it's, uh, it's, actually, it's been a while since I've, since has, I've yeah. uh, been on the buzz, um, but uh, I'm good, man. Everything's good. Excited for holidays. Uh, fun couple games we got this week, hopefully um that bucks game i'm really looking forward to this week so a couple fun games and then i'm gonna go home for uh to california for holidays so it'll be nice fun times for nets fans fun times for matt brooks but speaking of matt brooks who i've got on the podcast you put out a stat the other day matt and obviously this might have updated after a, a couple games or so but it's basically kevin Durant is an elite pick and roll ball handler and as it loads i'll get it get it up i think it's Kevin Durant is shooting, or the Nets are scoring 1.22 points per possession when Kevin Durant is the pick-and-roll ball handler. Give that a bit of context, and I guess the premise of this episode, I wanted to do a little bit of a statsy gimmick, so I've called it noisy numbers or sustainable stats. So noisy numbers means that nah, it's probably unlikely to continue, and sustainable stats means it's more likely that you know this could actually be a thing. So... I've got it open. The Nets are averaging 1.22 points per possession when Kevin Durant is the pick-and-roll bowl handler. That's the best mark in the NBA for players that average more than three pick-and-roll pick, pick bowl handling possessions. Second in the league is obviously Stephen Curry. Now, Matt, is that a sustainable stat or is that a noisy number for you? I don't know if it's just like top of the league sustainable, but I do think like this year he's taken a small... Like I guess a leap is probably a good way to put it. Um, you know, I think over the last couple of years, we've seen him display that ability to handle the ball and pick and roll. I think the Bucks series comes to mind in game six. He was pretty much the primary uh, ball handler and made decisions for the entire offense in that like super amazing performance that he had. Um, you know, he did that at the end of last year, especially. Um, and, and then this year, I think he's taken on a lot of those ball handling responsibilities um, just because Kyrie is, you know, it's they've been kind of trading off sharing those duties Simmons has been in and out and um, isn't always, I guess your primary ball handler, which seems like kind of the right way to use him. So um, yeah, I, I think for one, like he's going to continue to be somebody that's going to 
qualify in this stat because he's going to get a lot of pick and roll ball handling reps. But two, it's like they're scoring really well because he just won't miss from the field. <laughs> yeah. um, I think the passing has been good for the most part. Like the thing that I went back and looked at was the turnover percentage. He's actually got like a really, really low turnover percentage. I forget what it was, but it's, it's, it, I think there were 85 players that qualified. He's in like the bottom 10 in, or somewhere in there. So he's, you know, for all the, the stuff that people say about, oh, you know, Katie as your ball handler, he turns the ball over, he makes mistakes. Yes, yeah, like he'll do that at inopportune times. I think the fourth quarter that can crop up a little bit more. But for the most part, like he's really been a good decision maker in the pick and roll this year. Um, and I actually think a lot better than what we saw in like, let's say the Boston series last year. Yeah, I think some of that is also the teammates improving around him. I think, you know, Nick Claxton and him have a, a nice pick and roll combination. I think Clax has improved as a screener. And I think ever since that game where Kevin Durant seemed somewhat frosty to, you know, you and the Nets media about, you know, I've got five guys on me. If this is going to keep happening, I'm going to have turnovers. Ever since that game, it seems to me that there has been a greater ball care. I think it's also just a greater comfort with, with the chemistry with these teammates. I think him and Clax especially, I don't know the numbers. I'll have to look them up and, and maybe buy second spectrum or get your little access that you might have behind the scenes. But there's something about those two. And I, I, I think even like we saw very, very sparingly, you know, KD and Kyrie screening for each other, which is always going to lead to good things. So I think it's almost a, an improvement of the teammates around him as well. Yeah, uh, I got it right here. Uh, using the this is a free free tool, NBA Court Optics uh, NBA. I think you've actually used that. You can I did. look at. Yeah, it's it's pretty nice. They have pick and roll combinations. Um, KD Claxton uh, setting four point five screens per game for KD. They're getting one point two one points <laughs> per possession out of that, which I don't know what that is for pick and roll ball hand or pick and roll roll men. Um, I would assume that's kind of on the higher end, yeah. but it, at the very least, it seems like it's pretty good. Um, so that's kind of where we're at. Um, but yeah, no, I think you're right. And also like the spacing around him being better is, is, is a big factor in it too. Um, you know, it's just, if you double team KD, um, I feel like there's just more ways that the nets can hurt you just by having guys like Kyrie that can create um you know by by being run off the line and, and spreading and or you know scoring himself or spreading the ball from there or just literally like swing swing action along the perimeter find somebody like you to watanabe in the corner that's good for three points so um you know i i think that that sort of stuff helps as well big time the the net's playing well it means kevin Durant's playing well and vice versa but we'll we'll stick with kd and obviously the shooting numbers are insane i wanted to try and find some semblance of of a point of difference to what other people haven't said. And I found something on pull-ups. And again, NBA.com. We're going to try and give you guys the stats, the sources, because, you know, you can look them up yourselves and, and it's a bit of fun. You know, Matt especially loves to do a deep dive. I was doing a little bit of a deep dive in preparation for this episode. But Kevin Durant has an effective field goal percentage of 59.3 on 10.5 pull-ups per game, which leads players who shoot 10 or more on those per game. The next best player in that department is Devin Booker with 49.8. As well, I'll throw Kyrie Irving's numbers in there. He's having 8.9 pull-up attempts per game, and he's shooting 56.9 e-field goal percentage on those numbers. That's legitimately, like, just crazy shit, Matt. Is it not? Yeah, I mean, like, it's crazy. I feel like each year KD somehow gets better at shooting, which, like, <laughs> just doesn't – it doesn't – like, I'm like, how much better can this guy get at, at shooting the basketball? And, like, he, it's literally seems like every year he gets better. It's wild. And that the Kyrie numbers, like Kyrie's 
I'm not going to say it's more impressive, but like he's six, two. Yeah. Like he's, he's six, two. And a lot of his shots are coming off like a lot of dribble moves, um, heavily contested. Like Kyrie has been so good. And I, you know, I swear if like Katie wasn't, you know, an MVP candidate right now, I think Kyrie would be getting more love for like how insanely good he's been lately. Um, so that number to me also just stands out. I mean, just to like have that on your team is just outrageous. Like, just, like that's your off. That's your whole offense. Like you can, you can do whatever else. It doesn't, you don't even need anything more than that. And as long as like, as long as the defense stays as good as it's been, they're going to be like a top end team. If those two guys do that and the defense continues to be what it is. So yeah, it's, it's wild. Are those gaudy numbers? Are that, is it a sustainable stat? Is it a noisy number? Like, I think that, Look, Kevin Rand and Kyrie have been continued to defy statistical relevance and, and, and are statistical anomalies unto themselves. And I was listening to, I think, Mark Schindler, mate of yours, as well as Sam Bassini on the on one of the athletic podcasts. And they were sort of saying, you know, is this sustainable come the postseason? Rather than asking, is it a sustainable stat or a noisy number, Matt? Come the postseason, we, we saw what happened in the, in the Boston Celtics series. We've already versed the Boston Celtics and the Brooklyn Nets have. Could you see this sustaining into the postseason? Because you alluded to, you know, Utah Watsonabe's out there. Joe Harris is finding a little bit of form. Royce O'Neal has come back and is shooting the ball well. You know, Seth Curry, the role that he might play. TJ Warren has been pretty solid. You know, uh, one of Chris Mulholland's favorites. How sustainable is it in the postseason, those sort of numbers? Uh, depends on how, like, it depends on if the ball handling numbers stay what they are. So, like, if he's able to punish double teams and make the right pass, um, which has been, you know, I think we saw in the Celtics game was like a little bit hit or miss down the stretch. Um, I think that'll kind of shape that. That'll give you the opportunity because you need to make a defense think. Like if you're if you're making the extra, you know, whatever, the correct pass at the right time and it's generating shots for your teammates, earning up with Joe Harris threes, Royce O'Neal threes, Yuta Watanabe threes, then the defense is going to have to think twice about saying, hey, we're going to just send to a KD every single time he takes a dribble close to the free throw line versus – you know, if if he's not able to do that, then, yeah, I mean, I think you're going to see that type of defense on him. And we know he can make those shots. But when you get to the postseason, you just face better, rangier athletes, better team defenses. Um, and, and yeah, it's really, I mean, dude, like 56, 59%, whatever they're both at, is absurd. And that's really hard to do in high leverage situations. They are insane. They are truly over, two, over multiple defenders is going to be really hard. <laughs> like it, it's going to be crazy. But you alluded to to the doubling numbers, and from the same website you alluded to earlier, NBA Court Optics, Kevin Durant is one of the league leaders in terms of average possessions. He's doubled per game, which is at twelve point nine, and the Nets are scoring one point one seven points on those possessions, points per possession. Kyrie Irving at twelve point seven, and that number is actually a little bit higher at one point two one, which is a very good number. And for relevance. That means they would have 121 offensive rating per 100 possessions, just to provide it a, a bit of you know, overall context. Is that a noisy number? Because I think that that's somewhat sustainable because as we've been chatting about, it sort of relates to the discussion points we talked about earlier. Because the ball is moving a little bit better, the offense has a bit more of a flow. There is greater spacing and not just... And, and it's relevant spacing because, you know, it's Joe Harris and Royce O'Neal, 6'6 six, six guys rather than Seth Curry, Goran Dragic, Paddy Mills, 6'2 below guys. I think that has an effect on on both ends of the floor. Is that sustainable or is that noisy to you, Matt, the number about the doubles? I think it's, 
think sustainable. I mean, it kind of depends on like the quality of the doubles. Like some, like certain teams are going to throw double teams and you're like, all right, this is like not an effective double team. It's late or it's like really visible. Um, and then other, so other teams are going to be better at kind of being, so I actually thought like Detroit was weirdly good at double teaming yesterday. Um, the way they were doubling, I, we're recording on uh, what Monday they, they had played the Pistons on Sunday. And I thought Detroit was kind of interesting the way they were having, um, I think it was Duran. Mate could have been Stewart. He's good, was, man. I really like him. Yeah, I they're they're both. That's a nice front court. They should. I they, I mean, it seems like they want to keep that together. That's a that's a smart thing to do. Those guys fit pretty well. But they were having them double from like the baseline off Simmons, um, and like double them at half court almost, so they couldn't even like get into their sets or get into KD post. I thought it was very interesting. It was like the Nets figured it out, but like it wasn't a natural thing. So that's. That's technically a double team, but that's a lot different than doubling KD in the post and KD can either, you know, turn around face up and take a shot or, you know, swing it to the the guy, the entry passer, and then it makes its way around the perimeter. Like I, those are different double teams, but I'm assuming they're qualified as the same thing. So um, point of this is I think it's, I think it's sustainable against 90% of the teams. There's, there's going to be maybe even more than that, 95%. Uh, there's going to be that 5% that's going to be like really good. Boston's like a team that obviously stands out in that way as a team that's very good at double teaming. Um, and and that's something the Nets are going to have to figure out. But um, yeah, I, I think for the most part, that is, that is pretty, uh, that, that, that is sustainable. And like the thing is like Vaughn has mentioned multiple times that he's like simplified the offense. And I, I mean, I agree. I think a large part of that though, is just that the roster is just better for what, like how they want to play, which is through KD. Um, and, and they're basically playing in a way where they want, they're almost welcoming teams to double team KD because they have so much spacing that they know they can get somebody who's a plus shooter with a three point shot. So uh, I, I, Mark's deserves some credit for that. Uh, I, I have to say, so yeah, um, I, I think it's sustainable just based on the roster changes they've made alone. And um, that it's really hard to double team KD at year 14 or whatever and surprise him with it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because the, the dude is 6'10". He can see over those doubles, especially when he's in the post. I love some of the, the whip out cross court passes that he throws to Joe Harris or whoever else, or Royce O'Neal, whoever else it might be. Those are incredible passes. And when it relates to Kyrie Irving, Kyrie Irving can split a double as good as any other player in the league. It's like Kim, Ja Morand, and, and maybe a few other players because he has such dexterity and such poise and such elite ball handling skills. It's just like double either of those guys at your peril, especially when both of them are out there together. I think if you're an opposing team, you, you do it when in the, the solo Katie or Kyrie minutes, but I can't remember who it was. It might've been Doug Norrie of Locked On who tweeted out the fact that both of those guys' solo minutes are better than their minutes together, which is, you know, mm-hmm. can sometimes be a noisy stat by itself because they're playing against better opponents, et cetera, et cetera. But I think it's sustainable. And because 1.17 points per possession isn't insane. Like it isn't, yeah. but it's actually probably just above average. 1.1 yeah. is elite and, you split the difference 1.19 that's a pretty bloody good offense you'll take that any day of the week yep yeah i agree uh yeah yeah i mean that's i think that's a perfect way to put it by the way the roll man numbers 1.21 is like 60th percentile so it's not like really elite nick and uh this is i'm referring to the nick and kd numbers and pick and roll but it's like very good uh yeah. so uh yeah and and you have to remember that's throughout the entire season there might be stretches where they're playing better you never know could that doesn't take into account for lineups for example um, like I'm sure those numbers are probably better when somebody like Ben Simmons is off the floor, but 
That's what synergy gave me. <laughs> and and the, the good thing about you know this discussion, in more so than you're know, talking about it on Twitter, you know, when you write your articles, when we get to do podcasts together, is we can provide a semblance of nuance and and discussion and depth to some of these stats, which is yeah. always a bit of fun. But we get to the defense, which I've been happily surprised about but also not at the same time because i sort of predicted that the nets would actually be a decent defensive team let's go with the team overall so as it stands via nba.com matt the nets are the third best defensive team at protecting the rim the only two teams in fact they're tied for second with the los angeles clippers the only team better than them funny enough is the washington wizards but i think that's chris mm. Porzingis essentially he's, been, so good this he's year. been incredible but two guys for us that have been insane is nick claxton and kevin durant nick claxton has a 51.1 defensive field goal percentage kevin durant has 54.6 to put it into context some other guys you know i alluded to uh, chris Porzingis. he has has a pretty crazy 51.8% defensive field goal percentage. Brooke Lopez, 53.7%. You know, both of those guys, defensive player of the year sort of candidates or in that sort of range at, at incredible numbers. Nick Claxton beats both of them. And I think he's starting to get a little bit of discussion, a little bit of credit beyond you know just us Nets Twitter guys and Nets Twitter fans. Those numbers at the rim and the Nets defensive numbers in that area of the court, as well as Nick Claxton and Kevin Durant's numbers, Matt, are all of those sustainable or are they noisy? Yes, very sustainable. Uh, I, I don't know why. I, I mean, it, it, honestly, like, I think they're going to only get, well, I don't know about only get better because, like, Claxon's numbers are That's really insane, good. man. Like, he's so but good. He's so good. I mean, and the thing is, like, they're really starting to, like, I, it feels like the, the more I watch them, the more they're starting to, like, let him kind of roam and, and chase blocks more. Um, which and I think like they're they're realizing like and I've I've like said it since his rookie year I was like this is like a defensive player of the year caliber guy and I I I don't get I try not to get too hot takey in terms of like I'll like say like oh this guy's good this guy's but whatever like I've been right and wrong about that stuff before but I rarely go out where I'm like I think this guy has like the potential to win an award for this specific thing that's like that's about as far as I'll go with some of this and I I I think it was his or it must have been his sophomore year. Uh, in that hardened the hardened team i just remember like being like this guy could like really if he gets there like there's a chance you're looking at a guy that could be in the contention for that award and he's honestly ahead of schedule um just the way he's improved like his ability to contest shots from the weak side has taken such a leap this year and that was not a strength for him i felt like at all last year um he was really a guy that was good on switches still um, he's more comfortable in drop. Like you can at least play him in that scheme. They don't do it a ton, but you can do it now. I, he's just everywhere. Um, and Katie deserves a ton of credit too. I mean, it's, it feels again, as I said, like the same thing with his shooting, I feel like scoring on him individually is harder than ever. It, it, you just don't see it. Like Isaiah Stewart against, uh, in the Pistons game, like went up against KD and was like, I was the second I saw him put his head down. I'm like, what are you doing? You're not going to get this shot up. Katie's 34. Like he's like, coming off an Achilles, insane. man. Like I, I, it's, uh, it's insane. It's crazy. So, I mean, like, yeah, I, I, I think that is super sustainable when you have those two guys playing well. And by the way, like if, you know, Simmons had, had a couple stretches where he looked like he could be another guy that can help in that he's not going to be like a shot blocker per se. He's not going to be a guy that's, you know, going to come out of nowhere and, send a shot off the glass the way Clax does, but he's going to be a guy that's going to be in really good position. If you know, a team runs a pick and roll and the roll man's kind of roaming on his own. He's a guy that's going to rotate over and just use his big frame and get in the way 
um, you know, and, and, and just, you know, I guess contest the shot that way. He had some good contests like that before he went down with the knee and calf stuff. So I, that's another guy that you're adding in there. I mean, again, I actually think their rim numbers can only get better. And it's interesting how quickly they've realized that's the strength of their defense. And they're just going to play into that. They're, they're going to, they, they, at certain plays, they might even funnel a guy and just say, Hey, you know, we're not going to let you get by on purpose. We're not going to like, just allow you to get the rim. But if we do get beat, we feel okay because we have those two, sometimes three guys there that can clean up our messes. Yeah, there's been some really awesome combinations on defensive lines. When you throw like Utah, I mean, we'll get to lineup numbers a little bit later, but like there was a lot that are like Utah Watanabe and we had like Kevin Durant, you got Ben Simmons, you got Nick Claxton, all these sort of guys are just like, man, try and score on that. That is just like absolute clamps. And I think with Clax, the immediate guy that comes to mind, the comparison point, and he was probably my defensive player of the year, even though Marcus Smart won it, was Robert Williams. He was doing yeah. that, and that's he was dominant. And the Boston Celtics were dominant defensively in a similar sort of role. And you know, Clax is it's you know his free throw shooting affects you know how much he's going to be out there for sustained periods. But I just think that. Every time he's out there, it's just it's gonna be a positive defensive possession. I think he's just the traditional center stuff that you sort of want, you know, just the some sturdiness or sturdy-ish enough in in the post and you know rebounding offensive boards. He's just improving out of sight, and I think that both ends of the floor. You know, we can discuss have a Nick Claxton episode. Both of us are big on Clax City, but yeah. those defensive numbers are elite are the elite of the elite and we need to hear more about it like we really do you know he said i want to be defensive player of the year like look may might not be there but i would put him in that all defensive caliber sort of discussion whether it's first or second team you probably got brooke lopez og ananobi is the top two but in their second team you know why isn't nick claxton there you know why not it's funny because he's becoming known as this like shot blocker now, which was like not necessarily what he was known as. Like for I mean switch. for us the first couple of years we were like the switch big. I, I actually think his switch defense is like somehow become like a little bit overrated. By the way, he's still a great, great switch defender. I just looked it up right now. Uh, he's a 70th percentile isolation defender. Um, so that and you can imagine a lot of that is coming on switches. You know, guarding smaller players on the perimeter so he still maintained that even while bulking up taking on different responsibilities as like a weak side helper he's still able to tap into that and it's weird like the thing that put him on the map is like become for me like a little underrated i we i i almost find myself in games now i watch him you know pick up a guy on the perimeter and shadow that guy to the rim with a good contest and it's like it doesn't even resonate because i'm used to seeing that for three years but i'll catch myself now being like that was not normal. Like, no. I don't know why I'm just like not because that's, you know, I've watched so many centers. You know, we, I'm sure we all have we watched LaMarcus Aldridge and Blake Griffin and all these guys just like get cooked in these settings. And I'm used to it now. And I think it's it's because Claxton's doing all these different things this year that we're very excited. But he's still really good at that one skill as well. So, yeah, he's he's been fantastic. And like that dude, I mean, I'm I've been about as high as one could be on him since the beginning. And, like, I think just having Nick Claxton is, like, he's going to be one of those guys that's, like, you're good as a top 12 defense, like, pretty much automatically. I'm, I'm pretty much there. Maybe top 10, I mean, yeah. honestly. 
Yeah, I think you, when you have him, Ben, the Royce to a lesser extent, your KD playing the way that he is, all you need is you know just improved. And that's why I said, like, I'll, I'll repeat it because I want to toot my own horn every now and then. It, we don't get the chance as writers, podcasters, everything else to give ourselves a bit of a pat on the back. But I'm like, I think this Nets team can be a top 12 defense given the the improvement yeah. in the in just the roster, in the roster construction. And, you know, Sean Marks deserves a bit of credit for that. And I'm prompted a question before we move on, Matt. You were, we were chatting a little bit about the switch defense there and switch defensive bigs. The only two that come to mind that are better than Nick Claxton off the top of my head are Bam Adebayo, who I think is quite easily the best in the league. And, you know, you can throw Anthony Davis in that sort of tier A, tier one as well. A- am I wrong in saying that? Am I still like, you know, obviously 70th percentile is very good. It's not elite. Do you think he's still in the, the upper echelon or is he taking a step back? Is he top three, top five? You know, how, how would you surmise him as a switch defender, as a big in comparison to some of his you know, compatriots? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Oh, boy, I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, Davis is kind of different for like, I, I don't know. I I don't know if I have a great answer on this. Honestly, I think he's still there. I think he's in the band. Like Bam is number one for yeah. sure, like by far. Um, but I think he's I think he's getting there. I mean, he's kind of getting the Bam treatment in a way where teams just don't go at Bam anymore in isolation. Like they've realized like, hey, maybe we shouldn't have like our end of shot clock <laughs> offense be you know, go against probably one of the best isolation defenders, you know, in the conference or maybe, yeah, fuck it in the conference. Uh, so, you know, like maybe we shouldn't do that. And I feel like Clax has gotten there where we just don't see teams do that as much. I remember that like first year, yeah. be like Devin Booker would be like, all right, I got this or Brad Beal would be like, this guy's cooked. And he would just like, they would get clamped on these. And it's just, you don't see it as much now. So, uh, I think that's a testament to like how good he is. And yeah, I mean, I, I think he's top two, top three is a switch defender. I feel pretty good about that. Yeah, there's been just some great defensive bigs this season. You know, we didn't even mention Jaron Jackson Jr. with how obviously oh, the, the games played with him is something that affects it. So it's just like, Clax has been incredible, but there's just so many other incredible guys. It's It's hard to sort of, you know, put him, you know, right at the top of the conversation. But, you know, we are big, big fans of Clack City. Yep. Now, I wanted to get to the clutch numbers because this was doing a, a lot of the rounds. And, and Eric Slater, I've tweeted it out as well. You know, I did the one the other day. This is updated 
after last night's Detroit game. The Nets had the bet, NBA's bets are the NBA's best clutch team this season in games that were within five points in the last five minutes. They are 12 and three, which is first. They have a 129.7 offensive rating, which is second, a 100 defensive rating, which is seventh, and plus 29.7 in net rating, which is first. They shoot 50.6 from the field, which is third, and 42.1% from three, which is second. Like, those, I think those relate to a lot of the numbers in relation to Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. But yeah. you can also throw in, like, you. So what's the has been, you know, clutch yourself. I want to say his clutch numbers individually because that dude feels like he shoots 100% from, like, the corner when it's, like, five minutes or less in a game. But that's that's got to have at least some semblance of noise to it because I think clutch numbers are just, in general, noisy by nature. Yes. It's inconsistent by nature. You're you're bringing the the biggest clutch stats hater on, on the phone. <laughs> I just, like... This is why I brought it in. Like, I had a feeling. I had a feeling. I like when they did the they decide they're gonna do this clutch like the clutch player of the year thing. I was like, oh my god! Like, do we really need like do we really need to be like well like if his <laughs> like if you look at I don't I don't even know who would true be. shooting percentage. Man. You gotta look. <laughs> if you to look it. at his true shooting per a hundred possessions. I'm like, right, what are we doing here? Like, it's I don't know. I mean, yeah, I they're playing really well in the fourth. I don't see that changing. Um, like you have KD, you have Kyrie. Kyrie is like. I mean, he's just been awesome, like in these in these big moments. Um, and KD has as well. So, like, I think you had those two guys. That's going to help you. Um, I trust them down the stretch. Like, it seems like their their crunch time lineups always make a lot of sense, which is good because in past years, it's like I feel like you, they'd have four guys, and then there'd be like that last guy where you're like, I don't really know what we're doing here. Like, we don't quite know who our last guy is going to be. Is it going to be like Blake Griffin in certain series? This year, it's like I feel really good. Like. I mean, honestly, the whole roster I feel good about. Like, it's I was just watching, you know, the play of the Pistons, and I, you know, that like Seth Curry is playing seven minutes. I'm like, it's a good player. Like, feel pretty good about him being out there. So I think that helps too. Is like, there's no bad players on this team, and uh, I, 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 so I buy it for something like clutch stats. That's always gonna help. Yeah, I think just in general, when you speak about like sort of the guys that can be attacked off defense. You know, there were multiple ports of that, whether it's Paddy Mills, Seth Curry, to a lesser extent, Goran Dragic, I think was actually okay, despite the fact that he's been unhappy in Chicago, almost like a repeat of what happened for him last season. But I also think some semblance of credit there goes to Kyrie Irving for being more defensively locked in. Now, he still makes some of the, the gambling defensive misgivings at, at times, but I think overall... Better recently. Yeah. Better, I, think. I think he must have listened to the buzz and, and heard Nick go on one of his rants because he absolutely <laughs> hates it when he does that. And you lessen the minutes of you know Cam Thomas, who is probably the Nets' worst defender, Seth Curry, yeah. who is a pretty bad defender, and just Paddy Mills, who is just barbecue chicken as well. So all those things. And look, the Nets hopefully can still add another piece, where it's, whether it's Kyle Kuzma, whether it's Jakob Pertl, or whoever else it might be, that could even increase, you know, just the, the the little things which would even help. And it's not even the defense, the clutch numbers, because by nature they are noisy. And the fact that the Nets have played such a large portion of their games, like, What's that? Fifty percent of their games are in the clutch. Just like let's take a. Let, if that was like nine and one, I'd be a bit happier. But it's like what it thirteen. Well, I can't even remember. I, I I clicked out of the tweet. But I think that to me, I, I could look at it as somewhat not worrisome, but just like man, the Nets are like doing unnecessary. Like that shouldn't get into clutch games with Detroit, with Charlotte, with all these sort of teams. But at the same time, I think KD just wants to play forty-five minutes a night, and he's just a, yeah. He's a fiend. He's a he's a savage. 
they're winning them though. And I, yeah. I don't feel like there's like a team in the league this year that's like just killing teams like True. that. Like if there if there was like a team that was just smoking everybody, I'd be like, well, it's kind of. But like nobody's standing out in that way yet. Like at Boston, we can be honest. There's probably a little bit of shooting variance that's that's gonna hit over the next however many months. Um, like I think Boston's really good. I think they'll be a contender. Uh, but nobody's like blowing the doors off in that way. So the West is like. Pfft. I mean, good luck. Like, I, who knows? The Clippers have won like a couple games, and I'm I'm like already back in on them as being the team that's gonna come out. The Bucks, you know, one night they look really good. Uh, they had a bad loss. Somebody Reese, I don't remember who it was. Uh, so it's like you know, it's it's kind of give or take. So I don't I don't mind that as much. And again, just being the team that takes care of business, whether or not you go down 19 to the Pistons in you know whatever, not great, but. They're taking care of business, and they're they, these are games that they're winning that I don't know if they would have in, in past years necessarily. Yeah, I think that's an intangible thing that you credit, at least in some part, to Jacques Vaughn with just having a sense of accountability and energy and just vibes, like all of those things that we can't measure on synergy or NBA stats or whatever. Well, he's like making them care about the regular season, and like that's like the one thing that everybody's just been like, can you guys just like – just put a little, like, just care a little bit. I get it. I get it. You guys are super talented. You're going to get to the, whatever, you're going to be a top four seed just by throwing out, you know, KD for 60 games. That's going to be fine. But they are, like, I do really feel like they're they're putting in full effort. I I would not be super shocked if they're the one seed by the end of the year at all. Um, I, they, I don't know what would stop that really other than injury, um, just with the way they're playing. And, you know, it's, I, I, I just feel like I think that's like a big that stat represents that change for them this year. Yeah, that's a, a fair point for us to actually discuss the stat, give it some relevance. You know, I'm enjoying this. We're gonna make this maybe like a series or something. We go like I'm down, dude. I'll, I'm down. I'll go and like the clear out and I do stats, it. I'll do it on your one. I love stats as well, man. <laughs> like I'm a bit of a nerd sometimes. But speaking of more stats, you put out one again on I think the same day you put out the Kevin Rand one as uh, in relation to Royce O'Neal. Uh, Royce O'Neal is killing it as a screener this year. The Nets get 1.36 points per possession when he screens for Kyrie Irving. Brooklyn averages 1.26 points per possession when he screens for Kevin Durant. Like, uh, for content, like, how is that happening? Like, is Royce O'Neal like Steven Adams and, like, reincarnate? Like, what's going on there? I don't know. Honestly, I have no idea. Uh, I'm going to be real with you. I went into... That that Roy stat I, I I found because I wanted to find Nick Claxton. <laughs> ah, there you go, there you so, go. I had no plan of of looking up Royce O'Neal's screening numbers. I wasn't watching a game, being like, you know what's really good is Royce O'Neal pick and pop. I don't know, is that sustainable? Uh, probably not. But uh, it was a crazy number that I felt like was worth being out there. We'll see if it holds. What are the, what are the stats in the? Uh, let me look that up. It's it. What are the stats in the? in the tweet because i can tell you if they've already gone down so it was 1.36 points per possession when he screens for Kyrie irving and 1.26 when he screens for kevin durant i guess in relation to that maybe you could provide us like the volume because i think nick claxton was what like a bit over four you know screens per game when it comes to kevin durant what's the volume for for royce i mean Kyrie doesn't even qualify anymore which is bizarre but uh i don't i don't know how that would make sense but uh royce o'neill is um is he's giving, I guess he's setting 3.4 screens per game for KD. Clax is setting 4.5. I, 
I, I mean, I guess that's a play that I just yeah. don't realize that they're doing. Maybe it's just they're they're having him screen for for KD and it's it's coercing like a mismatch or something. Yeah, could be that. Like it could be like that. Other teams are hiding whoever on Royce O'Neal. So in having you know Royce set a screen, then it's just KD cooking whoever's uh, was guarding Royce. So it could be something like that. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, it's an interesting number. I, it, it doesn't quite make sense to me. This is the first one where I'm like, I don't know if it's a fake stat or not. <laughs> it's just one that I don't think really matters that much. No, it, it's it's a fun one because I want, you're on the show. I wanted to bring your stats that you do. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. But uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't say like if you're watching Nets games, you're like, I got to watch for these Royce O'Neal screens. There's a million other things you, you can watch for. And and um, maybe maybe I'm just – maybe this is me watching it and not watching it correctly. Uh, but, yeah, it, it's an interesting number. We'll see if it holds. Uh, but, yeah, appreciate you bringing that one up. Yeah, I think it, it might also relate to you know, whether Royce – his shooting numbers because it's been mm-hmm. fluky and streaky and whether, like, he shoots better off screen from Manson and Pop the perimeter because he's been inconsistent there but he's been getting back and uh, hopefully Jacques Vaughn uses him in a role where he does have to exert himself a lot and we'll get to that a little bit in some of our lineups discussions and the first one I wanted to do with you Matt is I guess the the age-old discussion for Nets Twitter which is Claxton with the stars versus Ben Simmons with the stars I tweeted this out uh, you can find this uh, via PBP stats awesome website that came out a couple of years ago it's been incredible and this is for yeah. Ben Simmons Matt in 301 minutes that Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and Ben Simmons have shared the floor, the Nets have a plus 4.6 net rating. It's 120.3 on offense and 115.7 on defense. When it comes to Nick Claxton, those numbers actually get a little bit worse. 381 minutes, plus 1.81 at net rating, 114.9 offensive rating, 113.1 defensive rating. The numbers tell us that Simmons with the stars is better than Clax with the stars. Now, there's a high, you know, variant, the high uh, volume there, you know, a lot of minutes. It's not something where it's just like 20 minutes or so, like one of the stats that I'll be bringing to you. Does this end the discussion that Ben Simmons is better? You know, they can't work together. It's got to be Ben Simmons with the stars. What does this tell us more so than is it sustainable? Is it noisy? What do these numbers tell us, if anything? Well, the one I'm looking at right now is the the Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Ben Simmons, Nick Claxton numbers, and they're actually not bad. Uh, you're looking at a net rating of uh, 4.66 points per 100 possessions, good. which is better than the Simmons, Kyrie, KD numbers. Um, so, I yeah, I, I kind of – man, that's pretty interesting. Um, that's – yeah, I, I – that lineup in a way, um, I'm not as worried about it. For whatever reason, I'm not quite as worried. There's moments where the spacing is a little awkward. I think against like, we'll see what it looks like against the Bucks. Uh, we haven't seen, I guess, because Simmons did he play against Boss? I don't think he did, right? No, I don't think he was. I think he, he was play. out. So that'll be a good test. Like that's always been. I always feel like Boss is the measuring stick game for the Nets um, in anything. So I think that'll be a good test for that. But um, you know, I mean, Ben has been. He's had a month where he looked really good. Uh, and then other than that, it's been largely pretty quiet. He's either been injured or he's coming back from injury, which I think is a little bit of what's going on right now. So in large part, I think to have such a strong, you know, such strong positive indicators from a group that, and that's uh, 177 minutes with that four-man group of those guys. 
think it's pretty good. And I, I, a lot of that just comes down to, you know, they're going to be really good defensively with that front court, like really, really super elite with that front court. And then if you have Kyrie and KD leading the show, they're, I mean, we have the pull-up numbers already. Like they're scoring at will whenever they want off the dribble. So there's your offense, as I brought up earlier. Um, so I, I, I think in a way, I'm a little bit less worried about that in a way. And generally speaking, I, I don't know if that's if that's come across yet. I'm not super worried about the Nets. I'm not looking at the trade deadline. This is not like one of those years where I'm like, oh my God, they need to make this move or I don't buy them. Like I'm, I feel pretty good about them. Like if they can add another piece, great. If they don't, I kind of think they can knock on the door for a championship. I really do. Cause I believe in what they're, the methodology of all of this. The headlines remind us daily. The world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com Just to go off on somewhat of a tangent... I asked Chris this question, and both you and him are two of my favorite guys to talk to you about the Nets. The prototype of player that you think is more important to the Nets. I think everyone's mm-hmm. saying point of attack defense or you know backup playmaker, you know, an Alex Caruso type, or is it another wing and a Kyle Kuzma type, or is it a big man rebounder, a big man sort of spacer, Mike Muscala sort of type? I don't. I, I agree. I think that some upgrade needs to be made to sort of just get rid of some of the de- dead weight because you don't want to have so many young guys that are developing that are just giving you nothing in your rotation. Can you get something for them and, and get an asset? That would be something positive. You know, Paddy Mills is probably not on his way out given his relationship with Sean Marks, Ben Simmons in the front office. But is there a positional type that is more important, Matt, that would increase the Nets' chances of the championship contention that you're alluding to? Uh, probably a point of attack guy. Um, I I really want to see them play like Cleveland, for example, is one I'm like really curious about. Like that's a team that on paper profiles is a very strange matchup for them just because they have these really quick guards that can warp the Nets defense. And that really puts them under pressure um, and heavy duress. And they have this big lineup, which the Nets are better equipped to deal with this year because they have Ky- uh, Katie Simmons and Claxton in their starting lineup. So I guess it would be a point of attack guy. Caruso is a good one. Um, shooting 35% from three. Like that's as long as you can keep the defense honest enough, that's good. Um, but I wouldn't take somebody that's like under 33%. Like it's, you just don't want to have a guy that like teams are going to sag off of. Because as I said, like there things are so simplified for the Nets this year because it's all predicated on the defensive attention that KD attracts. And if you put as much spacing as humanly possible around him, which they have, things work really well that on that side of the ball. So, you know, I mean, yeah, is, is Seth 
Seth's probably the guy to be moved. And if it's like Seth and Cam and something else, like see what that gets you in terms of player types. I mean, really, I, 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 I guess they're a move away. I, I see that a lot on Twitter. I don't even know if that's true. I'm there. Like I'm pretty, based on what I've seen, I get it. Like it's a weak schedule, but um See, the just, thing is, Matt, it isn't. I, I thought it was as well. It's been semi-week of late, but the Nets yeah. for the rest of the season have the eighth easiest schedule, like for the rest of the year. So, like now, obviously, back to back, blah 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 blah. They played a lot of games, but you know, the strength of schedule. I always just check that every now and then, just to see what the you know where the Nets are at, and yeah, maybe that's noisy as well. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, and like the other, I mean, it kind of comes down to like there's no clear top end teams. Like, really, that's kind of what I'm looking at. Like I just, there's three teams I want to see them play. I want to see them play Milwaukee. I want to see them play Boston. I want to see them play Cleveland. Those are the three teams that I'm looking at right now. Maybe somebody from the West will sort of separate themselves. So that like, that's pretty much it. That's so, you know, that that's kind of where it comes down to. Um, we've only seen them play one of those teams so far. So it's very hard to get a feel for them. Um, and I, I think, yeah, I think that's kind of, what it comes down to, but they're beating up and like playing really smart basketball against the teams that they have right now. So yeah, I mean, move wise, I guess point of attack guy, but you know, that's, I think they're going to be fine because they can just have clacks at the point of attack or Simmons at the point of attack or whoever KD at the point of attack. Cause these guys have all been really good on Kyrie sports. hasn't been too bad at point of attack either. You know, he hasn't. Yeah. It depends yeah. on the game. Like it, it his, yeah. his defense is, is always tied into his offense. But he's producing offensively, so he's gonna play up in guys. Uh, T.J. Warren's another guy. Yeah, I've really liked him, and I, I liked that watching him in Indiana. The way he plays up into guys. Yuta is very feisty. Gets flashes his hands a lot. Joe hasn't been too active. bad. You did a great article on on Joe's Thank defense. Um, that you. was a, a wonderful article, and from that, it allowed like Nick and I and a lot of other Nets fans to be like, man, like Joe is just doing these little things where he will, you know, go up to Jason Tatum and just like sort of flick his hand a little bit. Just the and I remember there's a video of him discussing defensive fundamentals that he learned in college. And it's just like, those are the things that you need to just be a credible NBA defender if you are 6'6 six, 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 six and above. Like, you're going to be okay if you do those little things. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's Vaughn. Like, a lot of that is just Vaughn um, is just empowering these guys. And, you know, I mean, I'd, I'd like to put it as Marks has done a really good job in large part handling the offense. I know that sounds weird, but, like, he put all these shooters around KD and that's all you really need. Um, and then Vaughn is in a great job, you know, revamping this defense and just getting this buy-in because that's the big thing. Defense is like 90% effort. It really is. So having that buy-in and having a team that wants to go out and battle for this guy on the sidelines, who is, by the way, like very, I get it. That you, <laughs> I, we talk with Vaughn after every, before and after every game, like he's, his personality, I can understand being like, I want to go to war for this guy. He's, he's got that in him. So um it's it's kind of worked out well for them in that way it's worked out for them that they got you to us and i a non-guaranteed contract as well matt that's a hell of a segue i've been doing a yeah, lot of podcasting sumner, i mean sumner can play by we didn't even bring up sumner as point of attack guys like oh yeah big guy. time big time and, yeah. and again another oh. non-guaranteed guy just 
you know, moves around the wings. So Sean Marks deserves plenty of credit despite the criticism that he has got. But some criticism is due and, you know, it's been warranted by some people. But the Utah Watanabe agenda, Matt, we'll finish with a, a few little more lineup things. Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Yuta Watanabe, Ben Simmons. It is a crime that they have only played 18 minutes together, but they are plus 31.6 in those minutes. 131.6 offensive rating and 100 defensive rating. I mean, that's all Yuta Watanabe, surely. Wait, wait, how many minutes is this? That's only 18 minutes. But you know, <laughs> tell Jacques Vaughn from yours truly down under that I need to see more of that four-man combination because, dear Lord, it is menacing. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, you know, I, I love, uh, I wish it was a bigger sample. I, I do like the numbers from that. No, I mean, it's like, I think this just speaks to like, you put rangy guys around Katie and Kyrie and it makes sense. Yuta has been great this year. So that's, I think in large part, we just want to see those guys on the floor together more in general. And that just speaks to, we want to see Yuta happy. We want to see or uh, healthy. We want to see Ben healthy. Those are two guys that have missed a little bit of time. So I'm sure we'll get more of a sample from that. And like, there are four good NBA players. Like yeah. I like that launch just for that. I mean, Yuta has been just amazing, man. Like really just truly, you know, even before, you know, he came in and it was this kind of not a great shooter, rangy David Nawaba ish type guy. Um, bigger obviously very different player type but like fill that role I like that I was like they kind of need a guy like this and then just what he's given them offensively has been sensational such a good passer too like he's just he's really good man so I I I like him in any lineup because he's just a damn good NBA player (laughs) yeah I think there's a simplistic and somewhat reductive element to basketball like we've been speaking about stats for you know nearly 45 minutes but sometimes you just need guys that are good basketball players and the Nets have a lot of guys that are like that a lot and and Yuta Watanabe just fits that mold and you know, I want to highlight it again. I think I highlighted on the the buzz recap that I did that pass that he had to Ben Simmons off the the corner closeout, and then he drive to the basket and the the little the little dinky dump off to Ben for the dunk. That is just it was just a really heady play from a guy that is just having an incredible season. And there's a reason why Nets fans are in love with him. Yep, and it matters. Like depth really matters. You think about last year, like their their MLE signing, right? Was was Patty Mills, and like everybody was like, "Wow, that was the best. That was the best signing of the off season." Um, and then they and they have this off season. People like, I think that universally people liked it for sure. But you have all these guys: T.J. Warren, Yuta, Edmund Sumner, all these guys that are like real rotation contributors. That are basically making the minimum or, or or are all making the minimum. Um, and it's just like, it's very interesting how they've, the nets have turned things around in that way and had really an off season at the best possible time. <laughs> like the clock was ticking. This was the year more than any other year to be like, let's put a good team around these guys. Cause you know, KD wanted out in the summer. Who knows what was going to happen with Kyrie. It was just, there were so many question marks and uh, came through, they came through. So uh, it's 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 been a joy to watch this team. It really has, and uh, haven't said that a lot the last couple of years. So it's been just very fun to to have that. You know, I, I don't think any number. Not to get too cheesy here. This is very cheesy though. Uh, <laughs> no number can quantify that. Just the enjoyability of this team. It, it's been it's been up there. I don't know. I, I I think there were probably some some periods of the you know the Harden Kyrie KD era nets that were really, really enjoyable, but they were fleeting, right? They were barely ever on the floor. 
we were always just kind of waiting for those guys to get back together. Like the Celtics series comes to mind. This year, it's just been a really sustained run of really good two-way basketball. So it's 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 been super fun. Matt, I wanted to ask, I guess just to put a pin on everything, because you did that really nicely just then. Was there anything from the cleaning the glass five-man lineups that really sort of stuck out to you? I think you know whether you uh, have access to clean the glass or whether you have access to NBA.com, you can do your own research and sort of look at some of the lineups out there that are you know really positive. You know some of the better ones: Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Royce O'Neal, Joe Harris, Kevin Durant. Four spaces around Ben Simmons plus thirty-seven point three. Kyrie Irving, Seth Curry, Royce O'Neal, Joe Harris, Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant at the five minutes plus thirty-one, one hundred thirty-six point eight offense um, per hundred possessions, which is insane and then you got ben simmons Kyrie irving joe harris kevin rant nick claxton which is essentially the starting lineup minus royce o'neill which i think a lot of people have been asking for plus 35.3 158.6 offensive rating yeah. though 123.3 defensive rating any of those things sort of stick out to you or is it just you know it's just the nets have good guys and when they find spacing and defensive combinations good things happen um yeah, I, I like the uh, I like the I'm I'm slowly becoming a proponent of the Claxton Simmons front court. I'm yeah I don't know if it's gonna work against every team, but I like it generally speaking. And then I think Joe is yeah even after all these years he's still their best shooter. It's crazy. Like we've had Patty Mills come in and out. We've had Seth Curry coming out. Royce O'Neal's had his moments. It's crazy. The guy that's been there this goddamn long is still like the guy I feel the best about. I really do. I just I feel the best about him being even with the playoff struggles just his size, which has helped him defensively and the way he can shoot the ball. I just feel good about him next to Kyrie and KD. I really always have since um, those two guys came to Brooklyn in the first place. So yeah, I like that five man unit uh, unit. And then there's just a bunch of, just a bunch of good players. I want to see, you know, as TJ Warren gets more and more acclimated, uh, that's a guy I really like next to somebody like KD um kd attracts a lot of double teams as, as we've mentioned multiple times on this podcast so having tj warren be an outlet who not only can shoot ideally as he gets his feet under him but a guy that can actually attack a closeout pull up for mid-range uh dribble down to the baseline and take fadeaways um if he if he really gets there that's a huge addition that's the guy that i mean we think this nets team looks good right now if he really gets his feet under him we're gonna be like oh my god like how did they do this like it's really and that's a guy that you put next to one of the two stars he makes a ton of sense um seth curry i mean even if if they don't trade seth curry i think that's fine they just sort of need to involve him a little bit more and that's the trouble with having so much talent is that a guy like seth curry on this team doesn't have as huge of a role because there are so many good players on this roster that he doesn't look like the guy in Philly who was kind of their third best player. And then second best player when Simmons um, kind of went through what he went through against Atlanta. That's another guy. I'm like, he can attack a closeout. He can do a little bit here and there. So it's, it's uh, I, I, you can't tell I'm very high on the nets. It's I, it feels weird. It feels very weird because I, I certainly coming into this year and after that two and six start, I was like, it's over. Like it's done. I think like many other people. So it's, it's been an interesting turnaround and it's just been fun to watch. Yeah. That Clippers game of Seth Curry just highlighted what Seth Curry can be. You know, he's had a couple yeah. of those sort of performances this year, the numbers, you know, when it comes to postseason, you know, he's one of the best three point shooters in, in playoff history. Again, it's going to be about, you know, can he be used in the right fashion? Does he stick around? And if he is, you know, it's on Jacques Vaughn more so to be able to go, all right, these are the lineups. 
not whether it's not with Kyrie and you, you're not either you're getting relentlessly attacked, but Seth is still you know a good basketball as we alluded to earlier. Yeah, and I think like he's an example of like a guy that actually gets hurt a little bit by the simplicity of of Vaughn's offense. So like they're not running you know stagger screens or double screens for him to come off of. They're not you know running as many DHOs uh, as he saw in Philly. So like he's kind of one of the rare guys on this team that is hurt in that way. Um, where he's on the move and he's because he, he's I think he's the best I would say he's the best movement shooter on the team. They don't do that a ton. A lot more of it is in transition, um, based on when teams double team the stars. He's the one guy I think is not necessarily always the benefactor of that. Um, so I, that's a guy that if they ever wanted to start implementing that stuff, you could see him have a more significant role. Yeah, and Ben and Seth had some some nice chemistry in Philadelphia yeah. doing a lot of that oh, stuff. Yeah. So maybe you align them and it's a little bit more when you're Joe sitting or Kyrie sitting. So interesting things, but lots of positive stuff beyond the numbers on this episode, Matt. Tell us where everyone can find you because there's a lot of places they can find you and you'd better be following him on every single platform. Uh, yeah, uh, for sure. Um, follow me. It's all Matt Brooks NBA pretty much everywhere. That's where it's on Twitter, YouTube, um, but yeah, Twitter is like the way to go. I would say is pretty much everybody in this space. For now, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll put that out there. Uh, yeah, you can find me on Elon's website. So <laughs> for now, I don't know if he's. I don't know if he's stepping down. But um, yeah, man, uh, that's that's definitely the best way to to find me. I'm pretty good about putting everything up there. Articles, been writing a lot recently. Doing like a lot of different stories. Kind of writing more about. The, uh, the the sort of the makeup of the team, the job that Vaughn's been doing. It's been cool. It's been a fun couple of weeks. Um, weeks like the last couple of weeks are like why I love the NBA season. Um, beyond just stats and film, it's you just get a feel for a team in a way that is is fun, I think, to learn about. And it explains a lot of their success. We love basketball. We love the Nets. We love you guys for listening. Five stars on all streaming platforms. Thank you all for listening.